Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Game one of the World Series begins tomorrow, but today we will get you set as we go live to Los Angeles to the Baseball Tonight crew for the latest on game one. Also, I'm not going to say who, but a team in Ann Arbor kind of got stomped out. Did Penn State make the biggest statement of this weekend in college football? Plus, D. Wade makes a surprising decision regarding his role on the Cavs. So let's go. Welcome to what will always be the best 60 minutes of your day, whether I'm here or not. Speaking of that, glad to be back, everybody. And, Mike, I want to say to you in front of everybody, I love you. You're my brother. Thank you for holding this down while I was gone. So thank you. Now let's get to sports. I love you back. You love me back? You held it down. You did hold it down. Like Lucius when Cookie was in. (laughs) I didn't give your seat away to anybody. All right, let's get to sports. And uh, here are our top six stories on the six. I'll say this for the Suns. They weren't relevant a couple days ago, but they sure are relevant now. And for all the wrong reasons, we'll get to that bizarreness in a moment. But first, let's begin with the big Monday night game. All right, yeah, indeed, that Wentz wagon is filling up the mail. Eagles are the ESPN Football Power Index NFC favorite. Tonight's game against Washington is the first of three straight home games for Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. Four, five and one despite playing four on the road. After tonight, they get the Niners and Broncos at the crib. So they could be eight and one heading into a Sunday night meeting with eligible Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys. But let's not look too far ahead and overlook Washington. Point is... The country's going to look at what some consider to be the best team, Chabelle, in the NFC, if yeah. not the league. Yeah, the Eagles, they have been rolling this season, and a win tonight would give them a 6-1 mark. Their best seven-game start since 2004. That was the last time they went to the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz has been leading the charge, throwing 13 touchdowns and just three interceptions. He ranks third in the NFL in total QBR behind Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott. But they've also been very stingy on defense, especially defending the run. Philly has allowed only 66 rushing yards per game this season, fewest in the NFL. So it boils down to this. Mike, who you got tonight? Uh, I'll tell you what I don't got is a clue. <laughs> okay. I got chaos and confusion in the NFL in, week, in, in 2017, seven weeks into 2017. I think the Redskins will get Brashad Breeland. Uh, they will get Trent Williams back, we think. They're questionable. We think we'll, they'll get them back. Not sure. Uh, about Mason Foster, Rob Kelly, they should get back. This just seems to me to be the type of game where it's like you think that the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, if not the league. They're at home. You don't think that uh, Kirk Cousins can win a Monday night football game. If, if not, well, then yeah, Josh Doxson, if he'd have caught that against Kansas City, maybe it's one and four. But you think you know, to quote Jim Moore, senior, and you just don't know. I could see this. This is a division game. It's at home. I could see Washington winning this game. In fact, I'm going to pick Washington because that's indicative of the type of season it's been. Just when you think you got it figured out, somebody comes and confuses you again. Yeah, I can see that Philadelphia is a better team. And the things that they do well, why they've been successful, are things that always translate, even in the craziness of the NFL atmosphere. The fact that Carson Wentz is awesome on third down, leading the league when he was 28th in the league last year. The fact that the Eagles are stout against the run. Those are things that no matter where you are, and I know they're at home, 
they're gonna they're gonna do you well, and so I think they're gonna be able uh, to be as consistent as they have been. Few teams have been consistent in this league so right. far. Philly has been one of them. I think Washington's better than its record, and you're probably right about Philly being consistent and keeping this this run going tonight. I love Philadelphia. I love everything about that team. I'm just saying Washington. Don't underestimate Washington going into tonight. And I can see again division game. Those tend to be tricky. I like Kirk Cousins. I also like Kevin Van Valkenburg's article on ESPN the magazine. He talked about his perfectionist nature. You know that as a Spartan. His second time around got a 75 QBR versus a 50 QBR against division opponents. S- tends to kind of make the necessary adjustments when it comes to playing them the second time in a season. All right, the Steelers took the touchdown celebration game to a whole nother level. Juju Smith-Schuster, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown, it truly outdid themselves. Meanwhile, Martavis Bryant feels left out of the fun and reportedly wants out. That's so awesome. I don't know how long they worked on that. Uh, he deleted this IG comment, but as we all know, there is no such thing. Uh, then he did the whole what I really meant was thing with another comment. Juju says that they are cool. All right. So fast forward from all of this. After initially denying his discontent, apparently this trade request, it is a thing. He missed this thing called a mandatory meeting this morning. Maybe he thought it was Victory Monday. Or maybe he really was sick and was at a doctor, as his agent says. Now, in fairness, he missed walkthrough before the Jags game and two days of practice the week before with an illness. The Post-Gazette reports that the Steelers won't discipline him and have no plans to trade Martavis Bryant, should they move him. Well, um, I'll say this. This applies to sports. It applies to relationships. Don't try to convince someone to be somewhere they don't want to be. And I don't know what the trade options are for him, but if I were the Steelers, I'd look to do this sooner rather than later. Here's the thing that clearly Martavis Bryant doesn't understand. The Steelers, they have a blueprint for how they win. I think he's taking this way too personally, as if they're purposely trying to freeze him out, purposely not trying to give him his catches. The fact is, when Le'Veon Bell is rolling, as he was Sunday, uh, with Big Ben being older and being a little longer in the tooth, they're winning, they're winning that way. And one thing I always gave Des Bryant a lot of credit for last year was even though he has this perception of being a hothead and being emotional, as the Cowboys were winning with obviously the formula of Ezekiel Elliott being the centerpiece, his numbers declined. He didn't complain. And so when you do this and you become a distraction, it just kind of kills the moment. And the Steelers are just kind of rounding in the form. And here he comes with all of this and, and taking it to social media. So I would look to do it. But I understand that in the NFL, these trades, they don't happen easily. And sometimes you definitely don't get the value you expect. I'll put it real simple. I ain't, gonna, ain't nobody got time for this. Like, <laughs> like they, they just, they beat Kansas City, yeah. beat Cincinnati. And here you come with Instagram comments complaining about Juju Smith-Schuster, who got three targets to your two. Okay, you got way too many miles to feed to have another cook in the kitchen wanting to tell you how it's supposed to go. Antonio Brown, they got plenty of targets. They can trade him and not miss a beat. He's a special talent, but you're not so special. And used to playing without him. Yeah, exactly. You're not so special to where this train won't roll without you. And they, it, it, the, the Saints just got a six for Adrian Peterson. I don't know what they can get a conditional pick for a guy who's one strike away from a suspension. Doesn't matter. They got um, plenty of targets for Ben Roethlisberger. And fact of the matter is, Ben Roethlisberger should be giving it to Le'Veon Bell 35 times a game anyway. Exactly. If anybody else needs more touches, maybe it's James Conner to give Le'Veon Bell a breather. With that defense playing the way it is and the targets that they have besides Martavis Bryant, absolutely you trade him. Because Ramon Foster even talked about it today. We got to answer questions about his social media activity. Why, why, are you being, why are you bringing this up right now when they're rolling? And before you know it, we'll talk about the Cavs in a second. You may be complaining about your role now, but an opportunity may present itself where you're the number one guy. It's just not smart and it's unnecessary. Yeah, and again, as they're, as they're rolling, like that's the last thing that you want to 
here. Uh, speaking of social media drama, this is straight from the files of life comes at you fast. Eric Bledsoe, he tweeted he did not want to be here, which led to his former teammate, DeAndre Jordan, telling him to return to the Clippers, which led to coach Earl Watson being fired, which led to Bledsoe likely having played his last game with the Suns. But wait for the kicker. Here's what Bledsoe told Phoenix GM Ryan McDonough when asked what he meant by that tweet. We just met with Eric this morning. I, I met with him before um, shoot-around. Coach Triano and I met with him. Um, you know, you guys saw his uh, tweet last night. Uh, I gave him a call last night and asked him about that tweet and, um, you know, just to clarify what he meant by it. And he said uh, he was at a hair salon. It wasn't about uh, the Suns or anything related to the Suns. Uh, he said he was at a hair salon uh, with this girl and he didn't want to be there anymore. So I don't believe that to be true. Um, and, you know, I, so we thought about it, talked about it with Robert and my staff and Coach Triano and his staff and decided it's what's best for the organization. So uh, he won't be with us, uh, you know, going forward. Now, speaking for black women everywhere, we've all been there. I don't want to be Hold in the hairstyle. Front office insider, you got insight into this. You were in the Suns organization. But first and foremost, like, let's talk. The story is his story, actually. <laughs> just got married. I just, you don't put that complaint publicly that you don't want to be where the wife has you. And, and not to mention, there are certain things you can learn from being in the hair salon. Hell, maybe you watch Jody sling all-purpose dresses. I don't know. <laughs> Get up by, and go. You know I mean? But that, there's a lot to be gained from being in the hair salon. So why would you want out? But why wouldn't you want out of a team that's got the worst uh, scoring differential in NBA history through three games? That's the, you know, that's the funny thing about this whole situation. First of all, he actually was at the hair salon. That's, 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 an, that's a fact. You've, you've already, he was, he was yeah. at, yeah, this is you confirmed. Verified this. He, is at, okay. he was actually at the hair salon with her. And so... I think the tweet is kind of one of those nice, ambiguous things where it could have been this, and then it also could have been that. I don't want to be here anymore. Like Boogie Cousins getting high yoga. Yeah, yeah, kind of, right? So, so, but when you talk about this team, it's not just these first three games because as John Gambadoro down in Phoenix reported, let's ask for a trade before the season started, right. weeks ago. So this is a part of a continuing pattern of star players or the best player in Phoenix saying, I don't want to be here anymore. Gordon Dragic, the Morris Twins. At some point, if you are a Suns fan and you're saying, oh, these players, you got to stop and say, well, why does everyone not want to be here anymore? Yeah. Um, big question now is where does he go from here? I mean, there's some options out there already. Uh, every team, <coughs> Sixers. <laughs> every, every, every team has been sort of fantasizing or, right. or their fan base has been fantasizing about getting this kind of piece. But where can he go? Well, I mean, first of all, we got to assume that the trade package is going to be trash because <laughs> right. Ryan McDonough subscribed right. to the Phil Jackson school of trade value. It's just kill my best, kill my trade piece in the market, mm-hmm. and then everyone gives me awful deals. But you're talking about really about four teams here. Denver, you've got uh, the uh, – now I'm drawing a blank. Nick, the Denver, the Knicks, work. the Cavs, the Bucks, and like the, the Clippers. Bucks Five teams. I like the Bucks. I can't count. Five teams. <laughs> okay. But uh, – all of them are kind of offering something that can only affectionately be called as a poo-poo platter. Right. It's just not the, the choicest of things to offer. Honestly, I think Denver's probably in the front runner. They need that help more than anyone else. We talk about Moutier. I think Moutier is the kind yeah. you kind of have to move on off of yeah. him. If you're the Suns, in addition to picks or whatever, you're looking at Moutier as, well, maybe it's something I can rehabilitate. As opposed to a Cavs package would be Channing Fry and Iman Shumpert. Right. That's not really sexy. A Bucks package would be John Hansen. That's not really sexy. in the Clippers, well, maybe they could put something together. Right, but DeAndre then, said, come on. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a little tough. I, I, I would love to see it be uh, Okafor and Bayless for Bledsoe and Chandler. That why, seems to work. Why, why would Phoenix do that? 
Oh, I don't know. Why would they do half the stuff that they do? <laughs> but I, you're talking about life coming at you. No, that's ill. You, you want to talk about life coming at you fast? This was an exciting young team that was in the free agent mix for oh, every yeah. for Blake Griffin in the offseason, and now look at them. Yeah, Iron no. coaches away. Nah, Over the weekend, D Wade said he was searching for his role. Well, he's found it coming off the bench. <laughs> uh, approached Ty Lue about the move on Sunday, a day after he shot two of eight in a blowout loss to the Magic. J.R. Smith, who had been unhappy with his demotion, goes back to the starting lineup. Lou says the move was permanent or is permanent. Wade averaging 5.7 on 28% shooting with a 1.6 player efficiency rating. Is that bad? Not good. Me and um, Coach Bo, when I decided to, um, before I decided to come here, when I was thinking about coming here, we, uh, we talked about the units. And we talked about the team. Um, a lot of with Isaiah being out, what the team was. Um, and, you know, we both talked about the opportunity for me to kind of lead the second group. But we also both talked about what I've always done my whole career is I've always started. And that's what I know. So, you know, our goal was to, to try that and see how it was. Um, but, you know, I just decided earlier than later just to get to um, the unit where, you know, I'll be more comfortable in and, you know, can could probably be better with this team in, in, that, um, in that lineup. So um, why wait, you know, three games in, you know, why wait? to get in there, you know, with those guys. I mean, I'm a big believer in that self-awareness is the best awareness. Mm -hmm. And I just applaud D-Wade. Obviously, everybody knows he's a consummate professional. And there's a reason beyond just his basketball ability that why the Cavs wanted him in that locker room is because he would do something like that. He knew that eventually they were going to get to this move. So why, why make it uncomfortable? Why, why even play it out? You know what it is. Go to the bench. So I think this is a, a great move for the Cavs and for him personally. You applaud D-Wade. I applaud Coach Ty Lue. Because at first I was like, well, didn't they figure this out before? LeBron plays best with shooters around him. Having Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade on either side doesn't really help him. But then here's what you figure out. If you're Ty Lue, you say, hey, D-Wade, get on the bench. You come off the bench with J.R. Smith. Friction, animosity. Yo, yeah. do you know who I am? You right. see my resume? Right. You let him arrive at that point on his own. It was his idea. It wasn't my idea. He wanted want to do it because he saw. And then you can make him look good. Exactly. Makes right. him look good. Makes him feel good. Makes him feel comfortable with this. And honestly, like you said, it's better for D-Wade. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to play with the non-shooters and the starters? You come off the bench and you're a playmaker. The ball's in your hand right. as opposed to playing alongside LeBron. That's also a good way to handle management, too, make them think it was their idea. And then you, anyway, uh, <laughs> don't need to give away those secrets. No, but no, it's absolutely true because a lot of people talk about being a good teammate and don't actually walk it. Like, at this point in his career, he's one of the greatest two guards of all time. Got his rings, here to contribute and get another one. You're right, he fits better with the second unit. The only thing I would ask you, though, is what happens when Derrick Rose comes back because he's supposed to be the point guard with the second unit. Right. So is it maybe not the same problem, but similar issues as it relates to chemistry with the second unit? Well, I think the thing, the, the thing to keep in mind is it's not that LeBron has to have only shooters with him. Right. It's just you can't have that many non-shooters with him. Mm -hmm. That so many, yeah. So if you're, if you're D. Rose... Playing alongside LeBron is a breeze. You're getting out on the break. You're getting a lot. I mean, we saw that in the first game. How many times he got out in the open, open floor and just got easy buckets. Everyone loves easy buckets. That's not as much of an issue when you're only, there's only one non-shooter playing alongside him. We got multiples. That's when you have an issue. Mm -hmm. But again, I think this, this is going to work out for him. 
And they have an entire year because we know the Cavs don't have a, a, a whole lot of priority on the regular season right. wins. Yeah. They know their, their goal is April, May, and June. And right. him saying, Coach, you were right in what you said. And it, it, really does, it just sets an example. Like, he's already famous for saying to LeBron, if we're going to win in Miami, it's got to be your be team. Right. Like, J.R. Smith, take note. You were upset. Stay engaged. Now you're back in the starting lineup. Any young guy, anybody else on this team can say, look at what D-Wade just did, said I'm coming off the bench. And I think, again, I don't, don't want to believe the point, but Ty Lue deserves credit because how many coaches like, my way or the highway? Right. Right. And he's like, no, 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 we're going to arrive at this place logically so that we're all okay with it. At Three the games end. in. Yep. All good. All right, thanks. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate no Let's take this show on the road, sort of, and send it out to the Baseball Tonight boys in L.A., where fittingly the forecast calls for a high of 101 degrees tomorrow. To preview a fall classic feature in the first matchup of 100 win teams in the World Series since 1970 and the third such matchup since the end of World War II. Fellas? It is a rarity, Michael and Jamel. Thanks very much. This is Los Angeles. Thankfully, the sun has just literally gone down behind the other side of the stadium, so we're in the shade. The bees seem to love this temperature as well. <laughs> David Ross, Mark Teixeira. It's interesting. So the Dodgers, of course, kind of breeze through the postseason. The Astros were pushed. The team that has more rest won the LCS. The team that has more rest since 06 has actually lost 10 of the last 11 World Series. So rust and rest seem to go together. Yeah, you know, sometimes you want to be fresh and sometimes you want to be hot. You know, the Astros are coming in here hot. Right. You know, they don't have a lot of days off. They're kind of riding that momentum from Game 7. And, you know, now... The Dodgers are rested, but is that going to be an advantage? It's keeping it sharp. Your pitchers need to stay sharp. Your hitters need to stay sharp in their timing. It's all about staying sharp, and sometimes that rest can hurt. All right, a lot of rings on this table. Rossi's got two. He brought them both with him. Tex has one. <laughs> Let's go over and break this thing down for you at home. Start with starting pitching. Uh, two-headed monster for the Astros. Who do you like? For me, I like the Dodgers because you know the one and twos for both of these teams match up very well. Yep. But I like the depth of the Dodgers, Darvish and Wood. Sure. Yeah, and I'm going to go with the, the Astros starting pitching. The two-headed monster is a real thing, and they're, it's a giant monster. Those other two guys, Morton and McCullers, will get to pitch at home in a great environment. Interesting. The other starters, not named Verlander and Keuchel for the Astros, their ERA is 540. The bullpen ERA is 503. That's an easy one. Bullpen advantage to the Dodgers. Let's go over the offense. It's a good offense, especially when they're hot. Two very good offense. This is very tough for me, but I like the upside of the Astros. I think... We saw it in game six and seven. They started swinging the bats against the Yankees. I think they will continue that momentum into this series. Wow. I remember being in the, in the playoffs, and you finally get to the World Series, and all the pressure goes away. I like the Houston Astros. I feel like they were under a ton of pressure against the Yankees, trying to solidify themselves that they are a World Series team, winning over 100 games. I think their bats come alive in this series. All right, so both of you guys like the Astros, and a Dodger team that scores six runs a game. How about the defense? You know, defense is tough as well because the, the numbers will probably tell you the Dodgers' defense is better. But I like what the Astros did in the ALCS. They made some great plays. You see the relays. You see the play from Bregman. They made the plays when they needed them the most. And I like, I like the, the Dodgers. I like uh, Bellinger at first base. If Corey Seager is back at shortstop, that's a huge factor for me. Their outfield plays well. And, and Chris Taylor is the X factor for me. The guy can play all over the place. He's like the Ben Zobris of, of, of their team right. and always comes through, has great at-bats, and plays great defense. There's and it. Austin Barnes, listen, Austin Barnes behind the dish, really important factor here. Very athletic, game-calling first World Series. Shocking you go. Catchers are catchers. kind of important. They're looking kind of the catchers important. Up, baby. For every Chris Taylor, this is Marwin <laughs> Gonzalez. But in any event, if there's an advantage, if there's an intangible, what, what decides this whole thing? You know what? If I, I like the way the Astros are playing. These teams are great teams. I think it's going to go seven. I think if the Astros can steal a game here yeah. in L.A., I think they win the series. 
Uh, the, the intangibles goes with the Dodgers, and they're a bass. They grind a bass. They're hard to stri- strike out. And if Houston's pitchers, their three and fours, their bullpen, going to be tough. The intangibles have been the home field advantage. The teams just haven't lost on their home field. And, boy, when you have that guy pitching in game one, got to feel pretty good. Clayton Kershaw staying hot, guys. Quite a bit happened in the NFL over the weekend. Ryan Clark joins us to sort some of this out. Ryan, which team do you think had a statement win, big statement win? Well, you know what? Since you're here, we're going to talk about those San Francisco 49ers and what the Dallas Cowboys did to them. You have to emphasize it like that. (laughs) But here's the thing. I know a lot of people are going to look at it like, well, they're winless. But San Francisco has been in the fight each and every week. And from the beginning of this game, the Dallas Cowboys took control of it the way they took control in 2016. Running the football, controlling the line of scrimmage. This offensive line has taken some time to gel. You saw it kind of coming together against Green Bay late in that second half. And then this game happens, and you see Ezekiel ripping off runs early. He gets the big screen. And that's when this team flows, when this defense doesn't have to worry about stopping the run and the pass. They can just get after that quarterback. What about you? Um, For me, it was the Dolphins. And I didn't expect to say that. And certainly uh, you see a game in which I know, right? Is there a shot at Jay Cutler coming here? Of course it is. Uh, although I'm, I'm going to let him live because he took quite a shot. And, you know, he has cracked ribs. And for Matt Moore to come in, play some inspired football, yeah. like that team, it was an instant joke. I agree. And uh, I guess that was the more surprising part about it, for them to be down, come back. Uh, and they seem to believe in themselves now. They're walking. They have a little bit of a swagger. And. Like a lot of people, the first couple games, you looked at Miami and said, okay, seriously, is this team any good? But the last couple of weeks, they've gotten off the mat, and I think they're really playing for something right now. Jarvis Landry talked about how people don't understand what they got in that locker room. They've been through a hurricane. They've been through cocaine-sniffing coaches. They've been through everything possible. And here they are. I'm sorry. I, I'm not. I don't mean to make light. I'm just saying they've had some distractions. Social justice, that way. exotic dancers. They've had a lot going on, and for them to be in this position, <laughs> trying to I'm trying to be so much better <laughs> right now. I'm trying to be know, so sorry, much sorry. better right now. <laughs> I couldn't even. As fight a it. fellow New Orleanan, you'll appreciate where I'm coming from with this because once upon a time, as a child, I got tired of the Saints teasing me. And so we're going into yeah, this definitely. week, going into Green Bay, I still thought that you know what? It would be so Saints-like. But him to go up there against a first-time right. starter in Brett Hundley and to, to falter. And yet, this defense, which doesn't have a whole lot of household names, did its job. They got no control over whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Brett Hundley. They did its job. They're opportunistic, shades of 2009, and they could run the ball. And the best part of, of all, you know what? I got to stop holding out on these pedicures. I, I, they, you know, Sean Payton got them all pedicured. They wore certain cleats in that, on that field. Sean Payton was getting the whole team pedicures. Hey, so, you it'll know what? It'll change your life. You know what, though? I, I do agree. I, I do. I, I have. Yeah, I have. Right I, I do. It's a good like, time to spend with your wife. And it feels, and you did, like, a couple things, and it feels right. really good. And you too. don't tweet, I want out. <laughs> no, you can't do it from there. <laughs> you know, because actually, I actually want it to be there, though. More than he wanted to be in Phoenix. Yeah. I actually want it to be there. Rub. But I agree with you with the Saints, though. It, it's just good to see this defense finally come together because so long you knew they could score points, and yeah. it was terrible watching teams run up and down the field. Like, in a division where we're about to talk about the Falcons, but yeah. meanwhile, Cam Newton and the Panthers lose into a team that throws it seven times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the Buccaneers, they got infighting their own going on when it right. comes to playing time with T.J. Ward and Chris Breaker. Anyway, the aforementioned Falcons, what's up with them, man? I mean, first of all, a jet sweep from the one-yard line? That was crazy. But right. see, but that stuff's cool when it works, though. Right. Like, 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 like when it works, you'd have been like, oh, my goodness, what a call. Well, not a whole lot is working for them the last three weeks. Three straight losses, all the AFC East teams with the Jets on, uh, on the way. They can't get their ducks in a row, or better yet, 
as Julio Jones, but they're just not on the same page right now. New offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian. So, really, let's put it like this, Ryan. Was this more about the Patriots figuring it out or the, or the Falcons falling apart? Yeah, I mean, the, the Falcons look to be playing in the fog. Like, if you really wa- see what you did there. I, I thought was about that, it afterwards. That, wasn't, it, it was, that was a purpose. But after I got it out, though, it felt really good. There you go. That's felt, what they that paid. That was saved in draft, <laughs> though. It felt really good. I didn't know. I have not said it at all. Go check Check, check the, the film. Okay. But All you right. know what, though? When you the look at the that you can't watch through the fall, like the Patriots, <laughs> right. you really watch much of the film. Hey, when you, it all comes together. You look at you look at this game, right? Stephon Gilmore goes out, and Johnson Betamosi replaces him. Jonathan Jones replaces him. Guys who aren't on his level. Guys who aren't paid to do what he does. But they just listened to Matt Patricia. They just listened to Bill Belichick and played the defense that they were supposed to be in man under. They did the right things. There, were, there weren't those communication busts. And so I think from the Patriots' standpoint, it actually helped them to be playing with guys who weren't quote-unquote stars. And then you look at the Falcons. They had opportunities. There were overthrows by Matt Ryan. There was yeah, Matt Ryan close, yeah. forcing right. the ball. The into, interception nullified. Should have led Julio the, Jones. Exactly. Yeah, you get it, the the it up, and yeah. so you have all these different things that happened to the Atlanta Falcons that were self-inflicted wounds. So this, this was good good Patriots a little bit and also bad Falcons. I think it's, I think it's all about the Patriots to me because I don't, I don't think you can go from, oh, the Patriots might go undefeated. So wait a second. We got too carried away, but they'll figure it out. To, oh, they lost at Foxborough. You know what I mean? Like this is – I'm not trying to make excuses for the Falcons, but I think the reason why people rush to point the finger at the Falcons and laugh is because they're such, they've been such a running joke. 28-3 still isn't going out of style. And I know they went 91 minutes without anyone. I know it was 54 nothing at one point against the Patriots in particular. But they've lost to the Bills, who look legit. Yeah. The Dolphins, who you just talked about, Jamel, when they had a chance to win those games. And now the Patriots on the road. This is about the Patriots maybe not as dominant as we thought they'd be, but figuring it out as they always do around this time of year. I think everybody thought that, though, right? No, and that's no, what I'm no, saying. No. So where's the shame? You didn't think they would figure it out? Well, where's no, the shame I knew they would figure it out, but I'm, I'm just saying no and rejecting this idea that this is about the Patriots. I mean, the, this just then, the Patriots figure it out. This is kind of what they do. Right. Right. Water's wet. They're good. They have a great coach so why, a great right. quarterback. Okay, so why is it such and a big the, deal the for the Falcons to lose this is about the Falcons. And look, I know, as you mentioned, everybody's going to get their jokes off. They have, they are suffering from a Super Bowl hangover. Not from the sense they're not, no, not over the loss, but I think they're so stubborn and so intent and, and having that same identity mm-hmm. and still being the same team. Like Bill Belichick was in their head. That's why they're going for it on fourth and six and giving The offensive coordinator who oh. wasn't there last year has but a Super Bowl hangover. Yes, going you know what? Because, because that's the mentality of the team. Like what Matt Ryan has been saying this in the offseason and, and in the regular season. We're still going to be the same team. Right. We're still going to be aggressive. Sometimes you've got to change up, dog. There's no you question about it. But when the plays you, the plays, you, but when the plays you are calling, when, when you're overthrowing Mohamed Sanu, when you're over throwing Julio right. Jones plays that you hit before. Here's the thing. How are you going to say that's a but hangover? But that's not, what, you're not it's drunk. Not, it's, that's not even about the hangover. Matt Ryan has just come back down to the mean. What we saw from him last year was outer-worldly. It wasn't the Matt Ryan that we were used to seeing. Now we've seen him regress back to kind of who he'd always been. What they were able to do last year, the way they were able to push the ball down the field in the play-action game, he hasn't been able to do that. He hasn't been as accurate deep down the field, which last year he was over 55% on 15-plus yards throws. That doesn't happen. That's not who Matt Ryan is. And so now he's falling back to that. So they need to figure out a way to be something else. I actually agree with Jamel. You could do what you do last year because you had a player playing like that. Exactly. They don't have that guy. And this you had year. a coordinator calling the game that way. They you don't have that. Do what you do, just do it better. They'll be fine. Okay, thanks. For We're that. not saying they're not fine, but you're not going to just say, oh, the Patriots just balling. We just talked about 
statement wins in the NFL. Let's talk about college football, Mike. Who had the most impressive win this weekend? Yo, I know, look, I knew USC was having a rough year. <laughs> yeah. But Notre Dame beat the brakes off of USC. I got to go with Notre Dame, whose one loss is to Georgia. That, that, that win and loss look better for both of those parties. But like, now when you look at Notre Dame's body of work, beat a pretty good Boston College team, mm-hmm. by the way. Also beat your Michigan State Spartans, who look pretty good. And now, you know, with college football, especially when it comes to the playoffs, it's always what ne- what's next. Can't wait to see whether the committee has them probably five or six in these initial rankings on Halloween, I'm guessing, for Notre Dame. But then when you look at the rest of their schedule, they got NC State, they got Miami, they got Stanford, the last two on the road. So many opportunities. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, not only was it an impressive win in terms of the committee rankings, they probably secured sending Sam Darnold back to school for another year. Yeah, that's, that's been the report uh, all day. Now, you know me. <laughs> I never take an opportunity not to be a little petty. So, of course, I'm going to say it was Penn State because of how they curb stop the University of Michigan. Uh, you also missed out on an opportunity to gloat. Okay, well, I'm just going to take that I for, opportunity now. I forgot now. what happened, which prevented you from gloating about Michigan <laughs> State's win over Michigan. I'm going to so take that opportunity now. But, no, in all seriousness, Penn State looked great. Um, obviously, how they lost to Michigan last year was certainly, you know, it, it certainly stuck with them. They were just the better team. And I think this was a shocking win in some respects, despite how good Penn State has been all season, because Michigan State's de- or Michigan's defense has been excellent despite their offensive trouble. I'm about to say, there's only so much they can carry. Right, it is. I mean, this team has, <laughs> look, I've said it about this team before, Michigan that is, they have a million-dollar defense, but they have, like, a food stamp offense. That's well, what it is. We'll hear from... Well, James Franklin is not on food stamps. We know that. Got a nice contract. <laughs> right. That's why that Texas A&M stuff was ridiculous. Uh, he will be talking to SVP at halftime nice. of the Monday Night Football game tonight. Plug. And they're in great position with the Ohio State game this weekend. Well, not just that, but to bring it back to you for a second, Penn State, Ohio State this week, but they both still got to see the Spartans. Mm-hmm. So just enough for them to mess up everybody's season in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, hey, look, never let people forget that – Jim Harbaugh, Brady Hope, same record through 33 games. Just thought I'd remind y'all Michigan fans of that. Oh, DTM, you wonderful soul. We, of course, begin with somebody who's made DTM a lot, and that is Vontez Burfick. Uh, he probably won't, or he won't be suspended, rather, for Sunday's kick on Roosevelt Knicks. League is reviewing the hit, but he, and he still could be fine. Le'Veon Bell, though, called him out on Twitter shortly after the game. What's your point now? What's he pointing at? So you, exactly. You can do with two. You Luke Kang him, and then you like. And then you pointed at that one of those. Even though I did it, I'm gonna point at the other person like they did. All this away the next time. It's like, well, that's just the way I play, and you know, I don't deserve to be suspended. And uh, all right. I think Vontez Perfect has made it pretty clear with his actions. He has no intention of changing. Unapologetic. He's unapologetic about it, and he's forever going to On be fine. On the flip side, which wide receiver was more out of line? T.Y. Hilton for calling out the offensive line after giving up 10 sacks to Saxonville, or Doug Baldwin for pushing Tom Cable out of the way when he was trying to talk to Russell Wilson? As they Dave, both apologized. Both of them have since apologized. As Dave Chappelle Profusely. said, is it a stereotype if it's actually true? Talking about angry Doug Baldwin? No, I'm talking about... Oh. Um, the line leading the block. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't call them out. Do that because you could run the wrong route. You could make a drop. You, you make can't mistakes do that. in the game. I get it. Um, and, and it was good, it was big the way he apologized too. Mm-hmm. They both owned it. Yeah. But that's but that's like okay. Show me a sideline when the Seahawks aren't arguing. I was gonna say that. I was like and sometimes that gets you get you fired your, up. Sometimes get out of an A and B conversation. See your way out of it. Tom Cable. Um, I don't know. This is this is this is too lit. This ain't the lit. That it, this is not what we have. Bills are four and two. They're three and zero at home. Bills Mafia, what new levels can they reach? 
What do you I've always say if they make the playoffs. <laughs> like, what's going to happen? If you jump on that and it's, it's, it's in flames, what do you think will happen to you? Meanwhile, I had such high hopes. I had high hope hopes for, for uh, Jameis Winston. Yeah. And yet, that Adam Humphreys fumble did not help. Not as T.J. Ward, who the Broncos let go. He's not He's not getting enough burn. Chris Baker agreeing with him. It's just too much going on. It seems to be a constant yeah. theme in sports. A lot of people complaining about lack of playing time, not getting enough touches. You know, I guess that's just the way it goes. All right, so Kyrie got fined 25 grand for his profane outburst at a Sixers fan who yelled, where's LeBron? So here's Kyrie on the question of whether he has any regrets. Hell no. Man enough to record it on video, then, uh, you know, that's on him. You know, glad that he got his ad name out there and kind of five seconds of fame and then going viral. That's the social media platform we live on. Take full responsibility of what I said. Excuse the kids at home. Um, you move on. So you know how I feel. Typically the people that say rise above it, don't respond, don't have to deal with it. So I'm not going to tell you how to deal with a heckler. The only thing that worries me or troubles me a little bit is why did somebody saying where's LeBron elicit that kind of response? Yeah. Like, you know, you've moved because on, you're in a better gonna, position. People are going to go to that often with him, I, I wherever think, he goes. I think that's not the first time he's heard that this year. It couldn't be. Um, Maybe this is a thing that eventually after it's not as maybe sensitive as it is right now that he'll be able to come to more of a place of peace. I thought he was as soon as he was introduced, as soon as he became a Celtic. Right. But obviously that's not the case. Right. Still Zero to 100. Definitely. So Deshaun Kaiser, two picks, benched again. And this, now granted, he had a Friday offensive meeting, right? Mm-hmm. And then the reports surfaced that he was out late Friday and Saturday. Here's Hugh Jackson. Guys, personal time is personal time, but I still think that that's not what our guys do. I think our guys work at what they do. I would be surprised at that. I've never heard that. Um, I don't think Deshaun's that kind of has that kind of character or personality that way. So that is what it is. We have the video, so he was. It's 1:30 in the morning, and even if there's not a curfew, this is a guy trying yeah. to turn the playbook. Yeah, it's not a curfew. You're right. You said it. So that's the first I've heard of it. So appreciate you guys sharing that with me. Thank you. So I have a lot of respect for the, a lot of the people running the Browns, but here's what the Browns do. Change quarterbacks and lose games. Yep. And if, all, if they all want to miss curfew, I don't care about them. You know what I do care about? Jill Thomas, his 10,363 snap streak coming to an end. His season coming to an end when, once again, he probably should have been traded to somebody that was worth anything. Yeah, and getting back to Kaiser, I'm a little surprised with how Hugh Jackson has handled him. It's not like the other quarterbacks on the roster, frankly, are playing any better. So why not just live with whatever mistakes and whatever whatever going pains you go to. I like the kid, but what does it tell you when that's what he's the recourse he's taking? Mm. To play people who are worse. Every hurdles were a thing this weekend. It's, a lot of people that's not a hurdle, that's a kick to the That's chest. a that's a full on climb. They all went hard in the paint, man. Westbrook pops out. Butler is on him. Anthony for three. So it turns out, according to the two-minute report, Tom Thibodeau called a timeout that he didn't have, a signal for a timeout that he didn't have, and Carl Anthony Towns set an illegal screen. I hate the two-minute report because absolutely nothing changes. It is nice to see the T-Wolves be on the winning side of one of those moments. They had a lot of close games they lost. In a weird way, doesn't that kind of sum up where Melo has been at often points in his career? Just when you think he's just not quite, can't get it quite right. Like the curl, like the curl. not quite right. Hey, you know, it's uh, LeVar Ball's birthday today. Boogie Cousins okay. flicked it up with him before the Pelicans game against the Lakers. 
And your man Lonzo Ball did his thing. Yeah. Again. He did. Two games in a row. I watched the game uh, last night uh, in between that and, and, and watching some football. And look, people have already been too hard on him. I knew this was going to happen, that because of his dad, that people were going to take this opportunity to criticize him at every, every point. But he's held up. And it kind of was that way for him in summer league. Started off slow and then dominated the, west of the rest of the way. Fair enough. Uh, Steph Curry ejected. Kevin Durant followed. Curry ends up getting fined for throwing his mouthpiece in the direction of an official. $50,000 to be exact. This whole story just took a, a, a necessary direction. He didn't throw it at the official. And everybody wants to be like, oh, because it's Steph Curry. Yeah. It's not a bigger deal. It's like, he got fined. That's enough. Right. They need to be suspended. Not to mention he's playing golf with Seth Curry, Jordan Spieth, and Barack Obama yesterday. So. <laughs> I wonder what he would do with his it's offense. Steph. It's just a continuing narrative of Steph because he's a good guy uh, and he does his little shimmy shake. He's not criticized as much as others. Over Milwaukee's first three games, Giannis Antetokounmpo is averaging 38 points and is coming off of 44 points. Is this going to be a Saturday. thing? Because I kind of noticed this when Portland. I was gone. Bucks play the Hornets tonight over under 35 for the odds on MVP favorite right now. You get one thing right, Mike. And look one at, thing? And look at you. Get one thing right. You just I get most things right. Are we going to have the It just takes a while for the rest of y'all to catch every up. Night? And that was really right how he dedicated it yeah. to uh, the game his late father. He's dedicated his whole season. That's why he says it's just beginning. He's got a lot more to do for his late dad who died in September. But uh, I get a lot of things right. You just don't pay attention. Maybe you don't, and that's why it's hard to notice. Oh, it's just listen to me now. Believe me later on. Shout out to Goody Mob. Uh, who had a good day? All right, uh, it's a good day for my man, Michigan State sophomore Miles Bridges. Not only was he named ESPN.com's preseason to their preseason All-American team, he was also named preseason National Player of the Year. We're going to get this ship, Miles. Some of those uh, summer videos have been real good mm -hmm. from him. University of Virginia introduced Carla Williams today. As the school's new athletic director, Williams left her position as deputy AD at UGA. She will be the first African-American female athletic director among the 64 Power 5 conference That's schools. great and sad at the same time. Yep, yeah. totally. Well, that's it for the six. More Sports Center is next. I'm back. You going to be here tomorrow? I will. Until you take off Wednesday through Friday. <laughs> Stay on vacation. Jamie. Golly.